Welcome to the Eagle Naz Church Podcast. My name is Bree, and thanks for joining us. We hope that the next 30 minutes helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus, and that you will see how God wants to move in your life. Thanks for listening. Simba has a problem, doesn't he? He's forgotten who he is. Remember that moment? Anybody just love Lion King? Remember the moment where Rafiki holds him up and the, the, the crowds go wild and, and this is the son of the King of Kings. And nobody has any question about his identity and how important he is and the great future that is there for him. And, and we all get there at times in our lives where, where we have those moments where we forget whose we are. We forget our potential, don't we? That maybe God once whispered in our hearts and said, I, I have wonderful things for you. I have plans for your life. You have incredible potential. Potential is what we can become with the power of Jesus Christ in our life. And, and when we don't have that, uh, when we forget the voice of Jesus, when we when we can't remember the whisper of his voice into our heart, we forget the salvation we had. We begin to focus on our problems and our brokenness. Um, we begin to lose hope and purpose, and the meaning that Jesus Christ has planted in our heart becomes a distant memory. But you see, Jesus is personal to us. He reminds us that he cares for us, and he does that. He comes and he calls out our name. And, and he knows about our need, and he understands our past. And get this, he knows our potential. I, I love that verse in Scripture that's, that says that, um, that God prepared in advance good works for us to do. I, I think if we could take the veil off and understand what God has for us as we journey with him, we would be astounded by what lies behind the curtain. And so today we get to, to look at the life of a man named Peter. Um, God had spoken into his life. He told him all kinds of amazing things about who he would become. But Peter's not believing it right now. He's not convinced. Uh, he's terribly messed the world. I've been there. Anybody been there? Anybody had, like, there's three of us in the whole house. <clears throat> I remember I was called to be a, a pastor, but I was a school teacher. And I was, I was sitting in my office, and I was quite sure that that was a ridiculous call. And, and I, I said to God, God, I think you tapped the wrong guy on the shoulder. I, I wasn't doubting that I'd been tapped on the shoulder, but I was just quite sure I wasn't capable of doing what Jesus had called me to. Anybody been there? And the, the task way bigger than my ability to complete it. And, and so I sat in my office feeling sorry for myself, door closed, and I, I was whispering this prayer, Lord, you got the wrong guy, would you pick somebody else? I know you didn't really mean to call me. I know you did call me, but I'm probably not the right guy. That's not my potential path. Right then, uh, there was a knock on the door, and I opened it up, and a guy named Gerald, he, he uh, oh, this is kind of fun. The guy named Gerald, he, um, he plopped himself down in the seat. 
And he said, you're going to tell me today how to get saved. Uh, <clears throat> I could feel inside myself the Spirit of God reassuring me that there was something about this that wasn't about me. And he said, I'm a, I'm a drug addict. I've got all kinds of addictions. My life is an incredible mess. And um, I want to know how to get saved right now. I said, let me make this clear. You just felt moved by the Spirit of God to come into this place, and you just plopped down, and you want me to tell you right now how to get saved, and if, if I do, you're going to ask Jesus into your heart. He said, that's right. <laughs> I said, okay, Gerald, um, if you just tell Jesus what you've done wrong, you and I both talked about it already, and you asked Jesus to forgive your sin and make you new, he will give you a brand new potential in your future. He will take care of the things in the past, and you will become his child. I, I was still astounded. My jaw was still on the ground. You, know, you understand? I said, would, would you like to pray that prayer? He said, yes. And I stammered through the prayer, and I said, did you mean what you prayed? He said, absolutely. And then I said, you are absolutely a child of the King of Kings. You have become a Christ follower, you are saved and your past is in the past and Jesus loves you and you have brand new potential in your life. And I realized in that moment that my potential wasn't dependent on me, it was dependent on Jesus Christ and what he wanted to do in my life. Uh, I was sharing that story a couple of years ago. I didn't use Gerald's name, I didn't tell all about the details like I did just now, but it was a couple years ago, and I hadn't seen Gerald in 23 years. And as I'm telling the story, Gerald walked through those doors and sat in that chair right where you are. And I thought, God, you're so good. You just keep confirming and you keep building in us and you keep helping us to understand that, that we need to remember who we are. And when we remember who, our are, who we are, our potential becomes powerful in the kingdom. So today, I, I have a call for each of us. And, and that call is that we would remember who we are <clears throat> by understanding whose we are. Amen? Anybody with me? I don't know what you walked in here with, where you might find yourself, but I'm just going to believe today that in this passage where we read about the Apostle Peter, we're going to find each of ourselves somewhere in the story. It's found in John 21. I'm going to bump up the verses. This is a nice time to tell my tech people something, isn't it? Carissa, through verse 5, if you can find it, that means bumping into the next set of scriptures. John 21, 1 to 5. Let's stand on our feet as we look at the passage, could we? Uh, here we go. After this, uh, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the city of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. I just have to pause for a moment and say, when John says he revealed himself in this way, he wants us to take note. There's something very important about the way this is happening, and John doesn't want us to miss the facts that happened exactly the way that I'm describing it to you now. It'll become important as we unpack this passage of Scripture Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of the disciples were together. 
And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Not a bad thing to say, is it? Uh, They said to him, we'll go with you. I think Jesus likes fishing. Uh, We went out, they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. You may be seated. Uh, Real quickly, um, the, the net's empty. John loves loves images just like he loved uh, to talk about the water jar in last week's message. And and this week, it's it's the empty net. The empty net means the life that's not full, the life that lacks meaning, the life that doesn't have potential. So so right off in the first few verses, John tells us uh, some hints about what the empty net life looks like. If you're taking notes, I just want to run through it real quickly. Uh, about some of the things that we see that are going on in Peter and his friend's life that represent a life lacking potential. Uh, Five signs of the empty net. Number one, there's a going back to the old life, the old routines, the life before Jesus called them, the, the life that just doesn't have that sparkle, uh, the, the safe life, the lacking adventure kind of life. The, the second thing I see in the passage, that was verse 1 and verse 2, uh, there's no fish. Fishermen who catch no fish, it's no realized results. A lot of effort, but little benefit. And, and we find ourselves there at times, don't we? And so back to the old life, doing the old things, um, mediocre, mundane, not a lot happening. Peter's there, no results, lots of work. And then the, the third thing about the empty net kind of life is Jesus is near, but we don't recognize him. Verse 4 says uh, that, that Jesus calls out to them, uh, but they don't recognize the fact that he's here. Isn't it nice that Jesus is with us even when we don't recognize his presence? But one of the signs that we're, we're perhaps not engaged fully in our lives is that Jesus is there all the time. He's working. He's caring but we don't recognize that he's there. We haven't engaged in his presence. We're not looking for him. And then the next sign of empty net living, uh, we don't realize that he, we are his significant children. We're his children, but we don't feel like it. Empty net living. Uh, anybody got kids? Uh, do they always feel like you adore them? Do you always adore them? (laughs) Jesus always adores me. Does he adore you? Yes, he does. Uh, But the fact that we don't, they don't always feel like our kids or we don't always feel like parents doesn't change the relationship. It is what it is. And Jesus is in relationship. He, he's going to shout out to them and say, hey, children, he's going to make it clear that though they don't feel connected to him, he certainly is connected to them. And then he has a plan, but they don't see it. They go back to their old life. They think they've messed up. There's no way that God could have a plan for them. And yet, Jesus has an incredible plan that he's about to reveal to them. Uh, Jesus has a a solution to Peter. Um, He wants him to remember who he is. And so he's going to take him on this incredible journey that's described in verse 6 and following. 
Uh, he, here we go in the passage. He said to them, cast your net on the right side of the boat. <clears throat> Fishermen had a, a certain side of the boat that they would cast their nets upon and they would position themselves they knew the waters. These are expert fishermen. They've been fishing all night. They know the shoreline. Uh, I, I talked to a fisherman this week who invited me to go with him sometime this fall, and he said, we've fished this water so often that we know exactly which bank the fish will lie on. They fished this bank more times than they can remember, and Jesus calls them to cast their net on the other side, on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast it, and now then they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. The word Lord means master of the universe, master of nature, master of all, my master. And he said, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish out of the land, they saw a charcoal, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out of the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with a fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you just caught. Fish always tastes better when you caught it yourself, doesn't it? And so Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. I wonder if they had fish limit laws in those days. <laughs> and and uh, although they were, there were so many, the net was not torn. Its capacity not to, diminished. Its potential able to hold it. Verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now one of the disciples, not, now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish... This is now the third time that <clears throat> Jesus revealed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Then Jesus calls Peter aside and he has a conversation with him. He begins asking him really hard questions. The rest of the guys got off the hook, not Peter, because Jesus deals with us each differently at our point of need as we have need. And of course, he wants to help Peter to remember who he is. And so he begins to talk to Peter, and he says, Peter, do you love me? These guys had been together three years in a tight, intimate relationship. That's not too bad. And Peter says, yeah, you, I love you. Jesus looks into Peter's eyes again, and he's around a charcoal fire. And there's something stirring in Peter's soul, and Jesus asks him again, Peter, do you really love me? Now he's a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, I love you. Uh, they're eating together. And, and he says a third time, he, he says, take care of my sheep and the next time feed my lambs. And he says, Peter, really, you love me? Peter's cut to the heart because he's, he's remembering some things. And, and he says, Lord, you, you alone know. You know me. And Peter and Jesus go further in the discussion, and, and Jesus says, uh, Peter, um, I want you to understand something. You're going to be led where you don't want to be led. You're going to be dressed by someone else. You're going to stretch out your hands. Oh, 
really, Jesus? That wasn't what I planned to have at dinner. It was clear to Peter that Jesus was saying, you're going to be crucified. And then Peter, John goes to tell the story. John's the writer of the account, and he says, uh, I was following a little bit back further, and I heard the discussion, and Peter says, what about that guy? What about him? Jesus said, um, what is that to you, Peter? If I want him to remain alive until I come back, what is that to you? I'm talking to you. Wouldn't it be nice if our faith could just be judged on the basis of what everybody else has to do instead of what we have to do? Hmm. Peter's um, going to be reminded of who he is and Jesus is, gonna, is going to retrace his steps. Sometimes we have to go back before we can go forward. Did, did you notice the conversation? Did anything seem familiar? Um, the, the conversation starts uh, and ends in a very unique way. At the end, did you notice? Um, this is how you're going to die. Did that, that ring a bell anywhere? There was, a, there, was, there was this day when uh, Jesus was about to be arrested, and what, what did Peter say to him in a comparison type of way? You remember what he said? He said, even if none of them follow you, I will willingly die with you. Isn't that what he said? And then what did Jesus answer back? He, he said, um, before the rooster crows three times, Peter, before it crows three times, or before it crows once, you'll deny me how many times? Three times. Where did the last denial happen? Where was that? Around a charcoal fire. And, and, and now Peter's beginning to realize that, that Jesus is taking him back and he's discussing his, he realizes, oh my, uh, he, he thinks back at those moments and, and he realizes, oh my goodness, Jesus is taking me back so he can help me go forward. Sometimes we have to do that, don't we? Sometimes we, modern counseling has, thinks they discovered something brand new uh, with, with replacement therapy where they take you through a hard thing in your past and replace it with something good, guess who they stole it from? My Jesus. And it might be an invitation to take a step up the ladder to go back and be restored a little bit for some of us to be willing to go back and look at markers where God has worked in our life in an incredible way. And then um, I, I think it's very clear that that by the time the discussion is done, he says, feed my sheep, take care of my lambs. Do you remember what happened when Jesus met Peter? He said, Peter, I'm going to make you a fisher of what? Men? Anybody read Luke chapter 5? There's this account where they're fishing, and Jesus comes along the shore, and what does he say to these guys who have been fishing all night? He says, cast your net on the other side 
of the boat. Okay, is that not so exciting? Jesus has taken him completely through his life story and reminded him that it was he who stood on the rock one day at a place called the gates of hell. And he said to Peter, Peter, at this terrible place where sacrifices are going on to Baal God and and there's unspeakable evil happening, I want you to know I am going to deconstruct evil. Peter, I've come to destroy Satan's work, to undo the devil's stuff. Peter thinks that's great. I mean, he, he knows that Jesus is risen from the dead. He has no doubt about it, right? But his doubt is that Jesus could work in his potential for his life. And Jesus <coughs> had to said to him, Peter, on this rock, your name now is rock and foundation strong. On this rock, I will build my church. Peter, I have amazing things for you. I have great plans for you. The dreams that I whispered in your ear, I knew what you were going to do before you did it, and I understood. Welcome back, Peter. I, I love this thought. Throw your, throw your net on the other side of the boat. Okay, here we go. And, and they're expecting to go. <laughs> right? Guys, come help me. Hey, we need another boat. Isn't it wonderful how God always restores in the context of community? Anybody been asked to be in a life group in this church? God always restores in the context of community. And I just want to invite you, if you've forgotten who you are, that you are loved by God, that he whispered in your, your ear, he spoke on your heart, he, he called you to something, he asked you to a ministry, and maybe you feel the gift has been lost or the, the future has become an impossibility. Can, 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 can the word of God just breathe into us? I, I had a couple this week that said, Pastor, we wanna, we wanna do some things in the church and we have skills and abilities and, and we'd love to just be set free to do them. And I was going, oh yeah. In my heart, in my spirit, I was like, yes. Because imagine, what if Peter had said, you know, I don't, I don't think I could do that. I don't think God could use me. I don't think God could forgive that. By the way, the, the disciples were in the same boat. They just needed handled in a little different way. What if Peter had said, I, I don't think I'll swim to the shore and have that tough discussion with my Lord. Now, Peter becomes amazing when he remembers who he is. I, I used to coach track back in the day. I, I, I remember... Uh, the, the team had been dropping the baton at relays. They were looking back at the, the, the past and the runner, and they focused there for so long that they'd, they'd drop the baton and get their steps messed up. 
And so I went to a, an old rock quarry and I bought a, a bunch of conveyor belt made out of rubber and I cut it into little squares and I painted it. And I, said, I gave them each one of these markers and I said, these are markers. Uh, only look back to the past as far as the marker takes you and then let it be to your advantage for the future. And so they began to set their marker down and they practiced their steps. And, and they were so good. They set all kinds of records. I remember winning the state relay and them standing on the stand and getting their gold medals. And they were so fluid, so strong, so focused in the future that they would take their hand and grab the baton and keep going, even as other teams would drop their baton or, or fumble. And I was so excited because they had learned the secret of using their past to their advantage and, and then going forward and, and, and taking the baton into the future in an incredible kind of way. And Peter took the baton from Jesus because he remembered who he was and he was, he was healed. And Jesus doesn't want to leave us in the past. He only had that hard conversation with Peter because Peter needed it. Sometimes we need a Christian counselor. Sometimes we need a friend. Sometimes we need to go and journal on our own and write down those, those markers about what God said way back when and what he's saying now. And, and Peter became a leader of the Christian church. Peter was preaching one day after the Spirit of God came upon him and Jesus filled him up, by the way, we don't have to do this alone, amen? And the Spirit of Jesus was, was full in Peter and Peter began to preach and 3,000 people came to know Jesus Christ in a single day and then Peter went off to share the news. God gave him a vision and after he was saved, got rid of his prejudices. There's work to do along the way. He got rid of Peter's prejudices and all of a sudden, then Peter became the one who spread the word to the Gentiles, people he never dreamed that God would use him to talk to. And so what's the message for us? It's not about position. It's not about all of us having the same fruit in the same way. But, but it is about all of us understanding that the creator of the universe has spoken into us and we are called to belong to him. And like Gerald that day, we are called to be his followers. And when we do, everything changes. And the word of God says that we can't even think or begin to imagine or get our head around the things that God has for those who belong to him. What might happen in our families, what might happen in our personal understanding of who we are, what might happen in our church, what might happen in our community if we remember who we are and we remember whose we are and we allow Jesus Christ to come in and do the healing work and, and we eat with him and we dine with each other and we become the people of God fully empowered to do the things God has called us to. Are you in? So where are you? Are you on the, the shore? Are, are, you, uh, are you unstable and worried and ashamed? Are you um, at the charcoal fire? Are you red hot and ready to go? It's not bad or good that we're 
somewhere on the ladder because we're all somewhere on the ladder all the time. The point is that we recognize where we are and we remember who we are because we remember whose we are. Amen.